It's 2015. The world returns to a galaxy far, far away when Star Wars The Force Awakens hits theaters. Drake's hotline bling rockets up the charts and creates meme-worthy dance moves, while in an apocalyptic future, all Max wants is to get his jacket back. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action marker! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker! I feel the need for need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and with me again is our special guest, Devin. <laughs> oh, hey, guys. How you doing? Ooh. <laughs> I am leaving right now. Don't treat me like the Sphinx. You weren't expecting uh, that? I wasn't. He was He was making eye contact with me like he was going to point to me, and then he introduced you. Was it like weird eye contact? I mean, it's always weird with LPJ. <laughs> well, we're all the way across the table. Okay. <laughs> so well, you know. I, I'm I'm Joe here as always with LPJ, and yes, he is right. We do have Devin back with us in the studio. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. We had so much fun doing the Commando episode that we're like, we got to get Devin back ASAP. Yeah, that's kind of how that went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had a really good time. I was I was very excited to come back. Yeah, it's great. And you you brought a great movie with you. You brought Mad Max Fury Road. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Amazing movie. It really is. <laughs> LPJ is being really strange over yeah, there. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's like a real weird vibe at the beginning of this podcast. I was trying. That's what I was going for. Uh, yeah, so Mad Max Fury Road, uh, 2015 is when it came out. Um, and it is the fourth movie in the Mad Max quadrilogy? I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it. Seri- I like it. Series. Series. I think yeah. you just say series once you get past three. Oh, quadrilogy is a great word. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, what, I mean, I guess, I mean, we'll get into our talking about this movie, but what's your familiarity with the whole franchise? LPJ, um, Devin? The first movie I saw was um, uh, um, uh, Road Warrior. Okay. Uh, and that was, I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and then I went back and watched uh, the first one, and then uh, Thunderdome. After that, okay. Um, and I've seen them. I've seen all three of them several times uh, over the course of the years. I enjoyed the Mad Max movies quite a bit. Okay. Uh, this movie, the first time I saw it, I did not get a chance to see this in the theaters. Oh, oh wow! Okay. So I yeah. missed it. I was you guys were you guys went, and I was not able to attend when you guys went. I yeah. was something was going on. Well, I mean, you were like busy being. <laughs> yeah. Wait, know. I can probably tell you exactly what was going on. Uh, Is he looking in his diary right now? <laughs> May 2015. No, Felix wasn't born. Uh, no. No, Felix wasn't born until later. But you were uh, still being a dad and doing yeah. stuff like that. So you were still busy. I was out. You, yep. weren't, you weren't living the swinging bachelor life like I was. Going to the movies whenever I want. No. Oh, <laughs> I know what was going on. Erin had just broken her ankle. Oh. Erin oh, okay. was having surgery on her ankle to completely have it reattached to her foot, basically. Okay. Well, that's that would explain why you weren't seeing Yes. That's why I was not able to attend. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, so the first time I saw this movie was on it when it was when it came to HBO. Okay, so that was and that was relatively not recently, but it was like no, not a re- year <laughs> after this movie. Uh, it was basically yeah. a year after it came out. Okay, I was going to say not recently. It's 2019, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so I didn't see it until probably 2016. Okay, uh, and then I've seen it several times since then. All right. Yeah, this was the um, this was the first movie I had seen in the 
in the Mad Max series. Um, I knew about the Mad Max series. I had an idea of what the first three movies, you know, kind of the, the general concept around them were. So I was really excited to see the movie. Um, so went and saw it in the theater, loved it from the first time, have seen it many times since then. And then in, I guess, preparation for this, um, I was telling you guys, I, I went back and watched the first one because I had always wanted to see the first one. It yeah. was really interesting. I really did enjoy it. I was trying to uh, be be overly aggressive and say, "Oh, I'm going to watch all three of them, and I'm going to watch this one multiple times." I didn't get a chance to do that, but I do plan on going going back and watching the second one and, and Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. Um, now, me, I have seen uh, the second one. I've seen the Road Warrior, and I've seen this one. I've never seen the first one or the third one. I have, however. Our friend Dave, who we bring up a lot on the podcast, he has a very good talent where he can like describe to you an entire movie series from movie one all the way through and give you basically a detailed plot outline of everything. So I've had heard him describe the Mad Max franchise like two or three times to me. Oh yeah, yeah. This is. <laughs> I feel bad that Dave has such bad allergies because yeah. uh, we have. It, it, so pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, we record in a studio in a house, and there's animals here in the house. Yeah. Domestic animals, not like rats right <laughs> now. Uh, and Dave's highly allergic, so he could not be. He wanted to be here for this episode. Right, but he will be listening, and he will be judging us. Me and LPJ get a lot of texts on Mondays letting us know all the mistakes that we made in the episodes that we recorded. Yeah, and according to him, we make a lot. <laughs> yeah, and he, was, um, he now works with Joe and I, Yeah, and he was really trying to find some time to sit down and talk with us about this movie. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize he works with you guys now. Yeah, it's yeah. brand new. Brand new. Oh, interesting. Just, just new this week. Yeah. So. Oh. Still waiting for that that prank to kick in. <laughs> well. I told Joe when I saw that he applied, I, I thought it was a, a an elaborate prank. Like a, like a long con. Yeah. It sounds about right. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, getting back to this movie, I have the, like we said, I have the release date as May 15th, 2015. Yep. Uh, with a budget of $150 million. Um, with a worldwide gross pretty 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 up there, I have it as three hundred and seventy eight million dollars. So kind of a, a rousing success for this movie. Absolutely. Oh, a huge success, and, and I don't want to say it's out of nowhere, but I don't think this um, this level of success was expected. No, and I and I and this is on me being unprepared, but I don't know the amount of time between uh, Beyond Thunderdome and this, but it's. I can it's, tell you. Okay. Uh, Beyond Thunderdome came out in nineteen eighty five. Oh shoot! Okay. So it was a long time. Yeah, 30 years. And I've never seen that one, but that one's, as far as the movie goes, that one's maybe the lesser of the series, right? That wasn't... Uh, It's just, it's very different. So what what I like about the Mad Max movies is you, they don't, they're not really direct sequels to each other. Right. They're basically just vignettes within the, within the umbrella of Mad Max. Right. It's kind of like Max in a different situation, like... Being him, yeah, exactly. And the third movie is very—it's kind of broken up. It's very much like, um, like Full Metal Jacket is two separate movies kind of put together. Right. It, uh, Beyond, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is very much like two movies put together. Okay. There's the portion in the beginning where uh, he's with the kids and stuff, or maybe that's the end. There's well, there's a portion where he's with a bunch of kids, and then there's another portion of the movie where he's at the actual Thunderdome. Okay. And they're, they're very, they're two very separate things. Well, I think what Dave has told us many times is that like uh, uh, George Miller just wanted to make kind of like a different like po- post-apocalyptic kind of like movie, and he had this whole thing, and it wasn't going to be a Mad Max one. And they were the studio was kind of like, well, no, you got to put Mad Max in it. So he, they kind right. of like put him in the movie as an afterthought. Yeah, they kind of had to, and that's. Um, and that's the, these movies in general, for whatever reason, 
have suffered through a lot of development issues. Uh, this movie has been kicking around since like 1991. Uh, is when they really started to kind of hammer this thing out. And it, and they've been slowly working on it over time, uh, and eventually it got made. But uh, it was originally going to be made in 2000. Yeah, I saw that. And Mel Gibson was going to be in it originally, He, he right? was, yes, yeah. He was. And, uh, and then 9-11 happened, and um, they sort of uh, pushed this off to the side. It kind of just got canceled, essentially. And then they had a hard time getting it restarted. There was a lawsuit in between there between George Miller and, and Warner Brothers, um, which there's actually another lawsuit pending right now <laughs> with the sequel uh, that's supposed to be coming yeah, out. Yeah, because that's an. I mean, we can get to it later, but it's. I'm surprised with all the success and everything. You know, Oscar nominations, everything to be had that they haven't made a sequel. You know, four years later that they still haven't even developed one yet. Yeah. Well, no. It's it, the script is done and it's essentially ready to go. They just. They have to get through this lawsuit first. Because I because I think they said that like uh, Tom Hardy was signed on for like three or something, right? Like at least yeah, he signed ones. on for three, and uh, Charlize Theron isn't signed on, but she said she's she wants to do okay. the the Furiosa movie. Oh, okay, that'd be interesting. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. the next one's I, I believe that it's called The Wasteland, and it's about her character. No, or am I wrong? <laughs> That's separate. The no. Wasteland. The Wasteland <laughs> is uh, the Wasteland is is uh, the new Mad Max one, and then. Mad Max Furiosa is going to be the Furiosa one. Gotcha. So it's a separate okay. movie. <laughs> no. I stand corrected. No. <laughs> LBJ. You should have done more research. Your, Apparently. Your 35 pages type that you have, they're single spaced, is clearly inaccurate. It's my, never typed. My brother is in danger of losing the most intense notes crown that the Last Action Podcast has ever seen. He really, yeah. He, he might be. You hear that, Jason? The gauntlet's been thrown down by Devin. <laughs> he had an insane amount of notes. Yeah, he, you guys told me. He had like a spreadsheet, too. Yeah. He did. I, don't, was, I don't have a spreadsheet. And then afterwards, he's like, I didn't use like any of it. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially how it always goes. Uh, that's why I stopped taking notes. Um, so anyway, so we talked about the budget and the gross. Um, do you guys want to take a stab at what the, uh, if you haven't looked it up, what the Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie was? I have not looked it up. Um, I, it's probably high. I, I would imagine I know it's, it's probably high. like... In the 90s, but 92? Okay. I'm going to say 94. Uh, it's actually 97%. Is yeah. Wow. Yeah, and the audience... But That's the audience, real good. Audience score 85%, so... That's surprising. <laughs> yeah, you think, but you know, you never know. I guess apparently critics enjoy this more than the audience. I mean, it's still pretty high audience mm-hmm. score, so... Well, if you, if you do a lot of, you know, kind of digging on the movie, I think a lot of filmmakers appreciate it because yeah. of, of the way George Miller shot it. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, whereas yeah. I guess I could see where audiences might be... I, I mean, I don't want to say the word bored, but I, I maybe you know maybe. A I little think they bit don't understand it. the subtleties of yeah. how it was filmed because it, it's it's essentially it's not one continuous shot. Yeah, but it's it's like the movie never takes a break. Not really. No, I mean, no, some, and I, th- I think George Miller. Not to cut you off. No, no, I, I think ahead. he even talks about how he wanted it to feel like one continuous chase. Yeah, and it does. Which it does, and that's. I mean, I, I guess I could see like I, it's hard for me to see like an audience because it's like if you see this movie, it doesn't let up. I mean, it starts and like you said, it's essentially one chase scene from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I think <clears throat> maybe people might be turned off. It is some of it's kind of weird. Some of the stuff and that they get into and the specifics of it is a little weird. But I mean, I think it works in the kind of overall world that George Miller's setting up for the movie. Yeah, and, and there was um, I wanted to bring this up. There was a there's a story about how it was being screened uh, at one of the film festivals early on. I and, think I read this. And like 
a half an hour into the movie, somebody stands up in the crowd and yells, how did you shoot this? And it was Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw yeah, that in my I saw uh, that research. Too. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, so the whole movie is, is, I mean, it is. It's essentially one big chase. Uh, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my spot. Here my <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's essentially one big chase. Uh, it starts in one spot. They move to another spot, and then they turn around, and they go back. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, do we want to get into the cast a little bit on this? Yep. Uh, I think our number one build star is uh, Tom Hardy, uh, yeah. playing Max himself, taking Max over the Rockatansky. role. Max Rockatansky? Yes. <laughs> I saved you there. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone knows that I have trouble with the last name. I had to cut it out of the opening because I mispronounce it so much. A little behind the scenes for you guys. Um, and, you know, I mean, Tom Hardy's in great stuff. I mean, you know him from uh, playing Bane. In the uh, Dark Knight Rises, sure, he's in Inception. He's in Bane. He's in. He's uh, in Bane. He is Bane. He's, he, he's <laughs> he is in Bane. He is, yeah. he is inhabiting Bane. He, he does. <laughs> can yep. you do? Can either of you do a little Bane voice for me? No. No. I don't. Yeah, I don't want to try. Why don't you do it? Uh, I can't. I haven't done it in a long time, yeah. so it's like I, I can't. I haven't seen the movie in a while. All right, we'll save it for the Dark Knight Rises <laughs> episode, which I want to do hundred percent. Okay. I have thoughts. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, and then next, I would say, next bill, we have uh, Charlize Theron. Yep. Yep. Um, As Furiosa. Furiosa, that's right. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in this. I don't know if necessarily a lot of them are named. You know, I would say in my list, I have Nicholas Holt playing Nux. Sure. Is the next up. And I don't know. I mean, you have Immortan Joe. I can't think of the actor's name for that. I don't have that written down. I'm sure one of you has it, though. Uh, Hugh Curie's Byron. Um I don't really know him from anything. Right. I don't really know who he is. No, I think I saw that he was in one of the original Mad Max yeah, movies, he, though. He played like the main villain in the original one. I think yeah. the main villain is uh, Toe Cutter or something like yes. that. Yeah. And he played him as well. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. And, and then I think I did see that this is the last movie that he's done. Oh, I, really? I think I saw that he's only done like three or four things since 2000. So oh, I don't know if he's getting out of acting or what Could he's be. doing. Could be. Um, I mean, there's other, definitely other people in this. Rosie yeah, Huntington Wheatley, Riley Co. I can never pronounce her name. Elvis's right. granddaughter. Elvis's granddaughter. Yep. Zoe yeah. Kravitz. Um, you know, there's there's a decent amount of people in here, um, so, but so, not nobody huge. Well, one of the well, speaking of huge, one of the guys I wanted to talk about <laughs> is his name is Nathan Jones, <laughs> and he plays Rictus Erectus. And the I didn't even realize this was the guy. I don't know if you guys have seen that that movie Troy with Brad Pitt. Yeah from whatever year it was. Long time ago. But it's like the very opening scene, and I don't want to get into the whole plot of that movie, <laughs> but there's there's an opening scene where basically you're introduced to Achilles, who is Brad Pitt's character, and he comes out, wakes up, and just goes to a battle, and he fights this guy, and the battle lasts like two seconds because <laughs> Achilles sprints at him full speed, stabs him once, and he dies. <laughs> but that guy was enormous in that movie, and he's enormous in this movie. He's right? huge. Yes. Isn't he, is he a wrestler? I, I don't he, know. I think he did do some wrestling, but he's definitely like a power lifter. All right. And, Let me just look it up. Yeah, oh, good I, Lord. And I'm not 100% on this, but I was talking with Dave again about this. Now, sorry, have you ever seen the Tony John movie, The Protector? I have not. Okay. Well, there's a guy in that movie who throws a baby elephant across the room, and we're both pretty sure that it's the guy <laughs> that plays Rictus in this. So I, I totally forgot. I spaced to look at his IMDb to see yeah. if he was in The Protector. But I'll look right now. Hold on. Keep <laughs> Keep discussing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, I think there's a lot of people, and I think there's maybe, you know, probably some people that maybe are more uh, famous to, like, George Miller movies that we just don't know here. And Sure. Know, he, is, he is not in... The Protector? The Protector, no. But he was a wrestler. Okay. Uh, he was known as... 
the Colossus of Bago Road. Oh, shoot. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of him. Interesting. Okay. Well, you're a wrestling expert on this podcast, so if you don't hear of him, then... He didn't last. He lasted a year. Okay. Well. Yeah, but he's uh, he won the World Strongman Championship in 1996, 1995, Australia's Strongman in 95, uh, and he qualified for the World's Strongest Man in 95 and 96. There you go. Wow. Yep, he's a big dude. He is a huge guy. <laughs> uh, well, while we're talking about the cast, uh, not, uh, LPJ, I kind of have a uh, related uh, pop quiz, if you will. Pop quiz, hot shot. Okay. Now, we've talked about Tom Hardy playing Max in this movie, kind of the main character. Sure. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily say a lot in this movie. So uh, counting the opening voiceover and discounting all the grunts he has made, how, how many lines of dialogue does he have? I know the answer. I will defer to Devin. <laughs> On this. I'm not looking at my notes, but I think I did see that. I'm going to say 52. 52 lines of dialogue. That is yep. correct. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, he doesn't, I feel like he has a lot of dialogue up front and a little bit towards the middle, and then he most of the time doesn't say anything. Yep. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he's just kind of ancillary to this whole film. Yeah, it's really like uh, Furiosa is really the main character of this movie. It's really her story, I feel like. Is 100% her story. And, and Max is kind of along for the ride. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't even think Max really, um, he doesn't really come face to face with a Morton Joe ever in the movie. <laughs> no. Ever. No, I don't even know that he really impacts the story even. I mean, I they, mean, he does. Yeah. But, I mean, if you take him out of the story, I think essentially it would progress I th- similarly, I think he there's one key there's one key part in it that he sure. I mean when we get to the plot I mean without him in it I think it would have went a different way he plays a key role in it but yeah. e- essentially you're right he doesn't have the most impact on the the actual events of the movie right um, before we get too far away from the cast do you guys want to do some quick net worth see if see how test your metal oh okay boy. Uh, let's start with uh, I only have three so let's start with Nicholas Holt what do you think uh, Nicholas Holt Star of this movie, Beast, and the X-Men movies. What do you think his net worth is? I'll let you go first. I- I'm going to say like $10 million. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say like $5 million. Uh, $5 million is close. It is $4 million. Okay. So that seems about right. <laughs> next, we'll move to Charlize Theron. What do you think for her? Big movie star. I'm going to say she's closer to $30 million. Okay. I'm going to say higher. I'm going to say like 50 you're both low. She's $130 million. Wow. That's real good. Yeah. she. Well, she's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, so. I know she's been in a lot of movies, but... She must have some other businesses on the side. Probably. Too. Yeah. yeah I that's mean, I the think stuff she you does don't ads think about. And stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Commercials. Uh, and then finally, Tom Hardy. What do you guys think for Tom Hardy? Hmm. I'm going to say 250 He seems like the kind of guy who would spend all his money, though. Okay. That's not a guess. $100 million. Uh, you're both a little high. It's only thirty million for Tom Hardy. Wow. Yep. <laughs> That's more surprising than the last one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But still, I mean, the the decent chunk of change. And again, as always, our disclaimer: these are numbers found on the internet, so so they're <laughs> legit. They're they're probably no one posts <laughs> anything that's not legit online, so these got to be right. Sure. <laughs> uh, so like we said, it was directed uh, by George Miller, George Miller, who did who created the Mad Max series, right? And did all the previous Mad Max movies. Right. Also did a few other movies like Babe, Babe Pig in the City. Happy Happy Feet. Happy Feet. (laughs) Yeah. Happy Feet 2. Yeah, he does a lot of, he's very well-rounded. He also was originally going to direct and and partially write the 
Justice League movie that oh, was supposed to come right. out. That's right. Like they got pretty far into that. Like they casted it, and there's yeah. like a script and all that stuff. Like I think you can go places and actually read the script. Yeah, right? the script is out there, and it was it was from the clips that I read of it. It was really good. The whole idea of it was really good. Um, and actually, one of the Valkyries that are in this. Uh, in, in this movie was cast as Wonder oh, Woman. Oh, yeah, uh, Megan Gale, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. And I think uh, Adam Brody was going to be in that movie, too. I yeah, think maybe he was going to be the Flash. The Flash. Yeah. yeah, Adam Brody's going to be the Flash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of disappointed, especially after seeing this movie. <laughs> I'm disappointed in what could have been. I thought you were going to say you were disappointed after seeing the Justice League movie they made. I am. <laughs> I'm disappointed after seeing the Justice League movie that they made that they could have had you know the uh, the George Miller version. It would have been definitely interesting to say the to say the least. It would have predated most of the Marvel stuff too, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, because it, it was what he was working on um, after this fell through the first time in two thousand. Okay, yeah, so it would have predated because the uh, MCU, as we know, it began in two thousand nine. Yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So, yeah. yeah, so oh, interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, composer, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of this composer, and Devin can tell you his real name, but I just like to know that he's also known as Junkie XL. Yeah, Tom Holkenborg. Tom Holkenborg, <laughs> and he's done movies, uh, music for some interesting things. Speaking of DC movies, he did the music for Batman vs Superman. He did. Uh, he did Deadpool, uh, the Tomb Raider reboot. I saw that he just did the music for that. Uh, just came out a couple weeks ago. That Alita Battle, Battle Angel. Okay. So he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, he's he's good. I mean, it, it's good, solid music. Um, this a lot of the music here kind of sounds this. It's essentially the same type of music. Yeah. Um, so we'll play one track, uh, but it'll really give you an idea of exactly what's going on in this film. Yeah, and like you said, that's a, a pretty good example of the score you're going to get throughout the movie. Exciting, kind of rousing, really fits with the, the the plot and kind of the action in the movie. It's very driving. Yeah, exactly, which is, you know, this movie's a lot about cars and stuff, so it works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> about cars and stuff. That's cars right. and stuff. <laughs> uh, so should Podcast we, over. <laughs> that, was the, that was the tagline. Yeah. Should we uh, start digging into the plot of this a little bit? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the plot is cars and stuff, so I think I summarize it. Um, so the beginning, we're kind of introduced to uh, Max himself, uh, kind of looking a little disheveled, long beard, long hair. He's got his classic car that he drives in the other films. What what what's it, what is it? What's it called? It's a Mustang V8. Okay, and we're kind of we're getting like a voiceover from him, kind of explaining the situation. I have some of it here. He says, "He says I'm the one who runs from both the living and the dead, hunted by scavengers, haunted by those I could not protect." A man reduced to a single instinct, survive. 
and that's kind of where set up. He looks like he's getting a lot of like we're kind of presented him in this. You know, he's disheveled. He's having kind of hearing all these voices, kind of like getting flashes throughout the whole movie of like we're not really. I don't think we're really supposed to know who these people are well, specifically. Actually, um, there was a set of comics that came out previous to the movie that is the whole prequel to this movie. Okay, and that gives you the back where that girl. So he keeps seeing flashes of this girl, this little girl. Um, that's all part of that comic. Okay. So you can find the back. I didn't look it up, but you can find the backstory on all of that in this this prequel set of comics. Okay. Because that's like throughout the whole movie, he's kind of having flashes of that little girl and stuff like that. And we're supposed to believe that it's like him kind of being haunted, like he said, by these people that he couldn't save. Yeah. And that, that it also explains because his car, his car was destroyed in in um, Beyond Thunderdome. Okay. So it also explains where he gets this next car, which is essentially the same car. Okay. Same version of the same, a, a different, a different car, but same version. Exactly. Okay. So we, we get the, we get the voiceover. Then he's basically chased by a group of what we're, what we will find out are war boys. Um, they kind of capture the car or uh, they capture him. Looks like the car is kind of trash, rolls over a few times. Um, then they take him back to the Citadel, which is where the, uh, war boys, uh, kind of live. Yep. They see him putting a big tattoo on his back. Um, they shave his hair and they kind of um well, oh, well what they're tattooing on his back, they're tattooing all of his vital information because essentially he's going to be a blood bag, a right. living blood bag for uh so the war boys all have um some kind of genetic defect where they need fresh blood in order to continue to live. Uh and he acts as fle- fresh blood for them. So they're tattooing like his blood type on his back, what kind of condition he's in, height and weight, stuff like that. Yeah. And one of, yeah, I think one of the things they said I saw where they're talking about what like all the stuff they wrote on his back is one of the things it said is like a lone road warrior or something like that. Like mm-hmm. they like kind of like a nod to the, the second film is one of the things they talk about. Yeah. His back. So he kind of like fights his way out of there and he's trying to escape and there's a real cool scene where he kind of runs out like a door in this complex and it just like opens up to a big like huge like cliff and there's like nowhere for him to go yeah he's essentially on a giant plateau right like a huge mesa style pla- mesa plateau yeah um so uh after that we're kind of introduced i believe if i'm remembering this right into to, uh, furiosa and that they're kind of lowering one of the war rigs that they're going on like a supply run like the big thing that they have in the citadel is they have a supply of water they have they have water and they have um, mother's milk, aka <laughs> breast milk. Yes. So <laughs> the war rig is filled with breast milk, mother's milk, mother's milk. <laughs> so they say that they're taking a run. They're going to do like basically a trade with the other towns, which one of them is Gastown, yep. and one of them is the Bullet Farm. Yep. And they're going to get gas from Gastown and bullets from the Bullet Farm. Mm-hmm. So uh, Furiosa, they kind of make a big thing of them like lowering it down and all this stuff. And like Immortan Joe, who is the main villain of the movie, comes out and he basically has control of these water tanks that he turns on and lets them kind of come down the cliffside. And all the people that live at the Citadel are like clamoring and trying to get as much water as they can. Yep. And so what I couldn't figure out is so Immortan Joe is pumping the water out of the ground through these giant pipes. Um, was all that there before? Like, how did, how did he get access to that? Like, who would put that kind of pumping thing in the middle of a plateau like that? <laughs> yeah, they don't really get into that, do they? Yeah, it's or, just kind of there. But there's also a giant safe there as well where he keeps all the women. Yes. So where did the, like, was all that there before? Uh, I would assume that he got he, there. I, I don't know. Because how could he possibly get that built in there when the, when the whole civilization's collapsed? <laughs> 
I don't know. Maybe it's in those comic books. Yeah. It could be. We got to yeah. read those comic books. <laughs> We're missing a lot. I, I think I need to know now. <laughs> I feel like maybe Dave has read them. Curse you, Dave, and your allergies. <sighs> <laughs> uh <laughs> so that's where we're kind of find out like uh LPJ said that Max is being kept around to be uh basically a living blood bag for the war boys. He's kept in a room and that's when we're introduced to uh Nicholas Holt's character Nux. He's coming back from a run and he basically needs blood, so they hook him up to uh Max and he's kind of giving him blood. Uh Furiosa is going on this run uh, where she basically, like, she's supposed to be going in one direction and kind of turns off and heads off into the middle of the desert. Because she's one of a Morton Joe's, like, top lieutenants. Yeah. So, it, I mean, she's she, like... On, she is the yeah, top lieutenant. Yeah, she's on his side to start the movie. Right. And yep. so she's supposed to be making the supply run for him, and she kind of goes off course, but tells, like, the guards with her, like, oh, we're just, you know, we got new orders or whatever. Like, she kind of, like, says, hey, we're just going a different route. And Almost kinda, brushes it off. Right. And they're yeah. kind of like, because she's so so important to their society, she's kind of like, yeah. okay, yeah. They just assume that she's received orders that they're not privy to. Yes. Right. So meanwhile, back at the Citadel, what we find is that uh, Immortan Joe basically has a set of, like, he basically keeps women around for breeding, is my understanding. And he's a set of, like, his favorite, they're like his wives. They're like the the prettiest people yeah, he's that got he has. Like five wives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he keeps them like locked away in a vault in the citadel, but he finds that they're gone. They're not there. Uh, so he kind of flips out. And what is kind of pieced together is that they've left, they've taken them, that Furiosa has these wives and is on the run trying to trying to get them away from Immortan Joe in the Citadel. So they kind of set off like in this big chase. I have a big note that just says drums. They start playing all these drums, and all yeah. the war, all the war boys come out and they start lowering all their cars to the ground to kind of start this big chase to go after Furiosa. Yeah, and there's one one car in this convoy, which is just a wall of speakers <laughs> and a guy on bungee cords playing a flamethrower guitar, <laughs> which is. Awesome, and he visually it's he makes multiple appearances in the movie. Oh yeah, it's great, but it's so weird. Like I don't get why he's there. So I I have a pop quiz about that guy. Quiz, hot shot. So we've obviously talked about there's there's this musician and he's got this guitar, um, which by the way this guy said that that guitar shoots real gas powered flames, which he actually controlled using the whammy bar. (laughs) But the pop quiz is how much did that guitar weigh? God, I'm sure it's a lot. It was hooked to the... They had it on bungee, so we didn't actually have to hold it. Um, I think... Probably 60 pounds. I feel like I came across it in my research, and I feel like maybe you're a little high, but I might be remembering low. I feel like it was like 29 pounds. 132 pounds. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Apparently, Which I, I thought was amazing. Apparently, I didn't come across yeah. it in my notes. Obviously not. <laughs> it is just funny, though, because in my notes, I have big truck that has a bunch of drums and a dude playing guitar on it. And then the next note is, oh, yeah, it's a double guitar that shoots fire. <laughs> Which is like, it's so funny because they're going out on this big chase and they're like, yep, get the guy that plays guitar. But it's like, it's just real like what you kind of find with the war boys and their culture. Yeah. It's this real like ritualistic thing. It's like they really like, that's what they're like, driven for. And they're talking about how they all want like a glorious death. They want to go to Valhalla. That's like the big thing. And they're always, they're always yelling that they want like a, they want people to witness some, you know, yeah. witness, witness, you know, like. And none of it seems like it's weird, but. Within the context of the movie, none of that seems out of place. Yeah. Like, it no, all seems it, like it, it should fit. be there. Absolutely. It fits well in, in the world that we're and put in, into. And in the very short time that he establishes it, too, because that comes into play 
within the first 20 minutes of the movie yeah, is when that starts. It's real sure. quick. Like, all this stuff happens. I mean, we've gone through it, but it all happens real fast. Yeah. Max getting captured, Furiosa taking It's all real within the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie, I feel like. Yeah, but Miller does a great job in getting the buy-in from the audience as far as that whole world goes. Like, right. it, it does nothing seems like... It's like it's almost like you instantly trust that whatever you're seeing on screen makes sense. Right, you're dropped into it, but it's not you're not really disoriented. It, you can really no, you get your bearings real quick, and you're like, okay, I get what's going on here, and it makes sense. And you're yeah. like, I'm along for the ride. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, so this big chase, they're all going to go off after Furiosa. Uh, Nicholas Holt's character Nux, he wants to go, but he's he's still getting blood from Max, so he's like, well, I can still drive. Basically. My understanding is with the War Boys, there's drivers and there's lancers. The yes. guy, there's the drivers who drive the car, and the lancers are the guy that kind of stand on the outside. They throw like these explosive spears, almost. Yeah, they. It's almost like a grenade on the end of a stick that they throw at people. So basically, what they end up doing is he's like, "Well, I'll just take my blood bag." So they take Max and they strap him to the front of what I believe is his, is it his own car or no? No, it's a different car. Somebody else was driving. Okay, his so car. they are driving his car, but he's basically right. strapped to the front of Nux's car. Uh, while still giving him blood while this chase is going on. Yeah, so there's a there's a pick line going from uh, going from Max's neck back to uh, Nux's arm, back to his wrist. Okay, that's going all the way through the car. And it's really interesting to see like kind of the details and stuff on some of these chase vehicles. They're all kind of like amalgams of like different things. Yeah, it's like two chassis welded together on top of, or two yeah, two two like like car chassis welded together on top of a frame that's built onto like monster truck tires or a dune buggy with like a limousine body. It's all this weird amalgam of all these different machines. Right. And they have these really cool things that come into play a lot later where they're kind of like these like giant poles that are on the back of the cars and there's guys like attached to the poles and they kind of like swing over and yeah. stuff like that. It's all almost almost apocalyptic Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, it's well, it's, they they actually talk about the fact that they used Cirque du Soleil and like I think Olympic athletes to do a lot of this. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. And we should mention that ninety percent of this movie is practical effects. Yeah, yes. I, I think the, yeah. the exact number that I saw was that eighty percent of the effects in this are practical. Yeah, are all practical, and the only digital effects are stuff like the scenery. Yeah, like the, the landscape. Only, the landscape yep. was the only thing they changed digitally. Yeah. Like all of the explosions you see, the car chases, the stunts with people jumping on and off of cars, all of that was done practically. Right. Um, so as the chase continues, Furiosa takes them into what is known as like the, the buzzards territory. And the buzzards are kind of, I like how each kind of like different faction in this almost has their own kind of like distinct aesthetic, you know, like, like the buzzards have all these like just spikes like everywhere. Like all their vehicles are just covered in all these spikes and they're like motorcycles and their outfits and they're, they're really cool looking, but like they're very distinctly different from the war boys. It's all very tribal. Yeah. Everything's very tribal. And it's like I feel like the war boys are different than the guys from the bullet farm. And yeah. like they like they took lots of like very painstaking care to make sure that each different you know, like you said, tribe has their own look. Yeah, like it. like the bullet farm people look like um uh World War One uh Germans. Yeah. They all have like the points on their hats, stuff like that. Uh the war boys kinda look like motorhead barbarians almost. Right, and, and it's during this scene, uh, somewhere in this, when the buzzers are attacking, we kind of get our first thing that the war boys do, where they have this, um, I don't know, is it like spray? Yeah, or it's like a chrome like, spray yeah. paint on yeah. it. <laughs> and like, um, basically, they'll like, when they want to be witnessed, they'll take it out and they basically spray it all over their mouth and their teeth, and they're kind of like, it's like almost like a uh, like a kamikaze type thing. Yeah, and um, they're, 
I, I was reading in here that it's not only like a ritualistic thing, but it's also like an amphetamine that they're spraying in their mouth that kind of amps them up to uh, to to uh, prepare them for whatever suicide run they're about to make. Ah, yeah, I actually saw something because they refer to it as um, like one of the things they say is by doing this, it'll allow them to enter the gates of Valhalla um, shiny and chrome. And a lot of this was shot in Australia, right? So I think um, one of the slang terms in Australia for chrome refers to basically inhalant abuse. Okay. So it kind of ties it together. I also read that it's like what they use is actually like it's like a cake decorating thing. Yeah, it's it's I saw uh, something about yeah, that. it's edible yeah. spray paint that they use for cake decorating. <laughs> and apparently, and I'm I'm kind of like uh, paraphrasing this, but apparently it was like you can order it like on Amazon. And like since the movie came out, if you go to this particular one, there's bunch a bunch of reviews, bunch of reviews written yeah. as War Boys, yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> like about the product in the like if it was a War Boy leaving, a which review, is awesome. So, yeah, which is like it made me. I didn't seek it out, but I'm like I need to check that out and see what the reviews are like. Well, I'm abs- I'm absolutely gonna look that up now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, during this chase with the buzzards, basically Furiosa drives into what is essentially like a giant sandstorm mm-hmm. to try and lose the guys. Um, and it, it basically kind of gets them off the tail. The, the storm is crazy. There's lightning and like all yeah, kinds of shit are like happening It's like a magnetic electrical sandstorm. Right, yeah, and it's like, I'm sure that's part of the, like, the 20% of visual effects, this might have been, like, 10% of it, I feel oh, like. Oh, probably. Because it's really cool, it's like picking the cars up off yeah. the ground, and, like, um, so, uh, I think it, it's during that point in, when they're in the sandstorm, where Max kind of gets free, or he starts to get... Well, they crash, Yeah, and Nux, then he wakes fo- Nux up. is following them. Yeah. Um, and he uses his NOS... Uh, Fast and Furious style, and uh, takes off after the war rig to try and catch up with them. And eventually he gets caught up in the sandstorm, and his car basically flips, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it breaks Max free. Uh, and the door kind of comes off the hinges. And, well, yeah. no, I don't think I don't think that's it. I think he makes it out. I think he because he's still he, he, he's still attached to him. He doesn't he try and get his car in front of the war rig, and doesn't the war rig crash into Nux's car? I believe that's what happens. He tries to sacrifice himself. He does the he does the yes, spray. Yes, you're right. Yeah, because he opens up all the fuel canisters yeah. in the car and he lights a a torch. That's right. He lights he, a flare. Yeah, and he does the spray. He does the the line. The I live, I die, I live again. Yeah, and he's trying to get his like basically get his car in front of Furious and blow it up. But Max stops him and like I think he like jerks the wheel or something. And that's that's right. causes and then it him to crash. Yeah. Right, right. So he the car crashes, but he's still chained to Nux. Yes. So he ends up kind of like, he kind of like wanders off. He's like dragging Nux and like the car door that he's still attached to from the right. crash. Um, and he catches up because the war rig's kind of stalled because it has too much sand in it. Yeah, it's got sand in the uh, in the intake so it can't actually get any air to the, to the engine to actually turn over. So they're working on getting all the sand out of it so that they can get the car restarted, get the war rig restarted. And that's when we first find out. I mean, we kind of know, but that's when we first get confirmation that she has all the wives, the five of his wives. Yeah, they're all being hosed off. It's a great scene. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He calls. They say that like they're his like best breeders. I think is what they call them, right? Because and one of them is like pregnant. Um, Jason Statham's girlfriend. Yeah, they all have very interesting names. I didn't write them down. Capable Cheeto. Toast, the Dag, and Splendid. So uh, Max catches up with them. He wants to get some water. He's trying to get him to cut the chain because he's still got the thing that's basically like 
almost like a mask on his face, right? It's like yeah, it's like a um, it's like what you would put on a dog to uh to keep him from biting people, like a muzzle, like yeah. a muzzle. Yeah. So that's yeah. like on his face, and it's got a chain, and that chain is what's hooked to like Nux, right? Yes, Nux's yes. wrist. So he, he ends up like they, he ends up getting into like a a real like pretty brutal fight with Furiosa, which is pretty awesome, like yeah. a hand to hand fight where he's still attached to Nux and he's still trying to fight. And we should probably mention that Furiosa has a robotic hand. That's true. I guess we didn't bring that up. She does have a robotic hand in this yeah. movie. But it's like, it really, like, it sounds outrageous, but it, like the way it looks and stuff, it really fits with the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah, like it's it makes like, sense. It seems like functional. It's not like really fancy, but it's just like, it's there. So. It's like a claw. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes sense. So there's like a, there's like a gun that's like a, hidden or stuck on the side of the war rig that they're kind of fighting mm-hmm. over. And like Nux kind of helps uh, Max, Max in this and he's able to get the gun and kind of take control of the situation. Right, because he thinks that Max is helping Nux stop the war rig for Immortan Joe. Right, and this is where I, Nux has uh, Max <laughs> Max's jacket. So he gets he finally gets his jacket back and he's pretty excited about it. Right. Um, so he he steals the war rig and he's like gonna leave him behind because he he's really just out for himself. Uh, but the war rig stalls because Furiosa has like a kill switch on it, uh-huh. mm-hmm. it and there's like a certain sequence of whatever that you have to um, certain levers you have to trip uh, in order to get the car to start. So basically, he agrees to take Furiosa and the wives with him so he can get out of there too. Right. But like unbeknownst to them, Nux kind of sneaks onto the back of the war rig and is hiding on it, so they don't know. I also said at a certain point, and maybe this is probably a dumb question, but, like, why didn't they get rid of that, like, giant rig sooner? I feel like that that was slowing them down, like, the whole trailer part of it. Um, I think they needed it because that's where the extra fuel pod was, and they needed that extra fuel to, um... To travel where they were going to go? No, to blow that, up the to blow up the rocks to prevent oh, Joe yeah, from yeah. following okay. them. Okay, because I, mean, I wasn't sure because I thought maybe that's, like, they were, the one fuel I thought that they were giving to the, the people that guarded the canyon, I th- thought that's what he, she was giving them to get safe passage through or something. Um, yeah, that was. Uh, no, I, no, I think they were giving her... She was giving them the mother's milk. Oh, okay. And then they were going to use the pod to blow up the... Well, they needed they needed it for some reason. They needed reasons, it. So they, needed, they specifically needed it. There's there's that great scene I love when he's in the cab and he's holding the gun where he's basically like making her give all the weapons that she yeah. has in there. And there's like so many guns hidden in the cab of the war rig. It's like it's pretty. It's like almost a comedic scene where she keeps like pulling guns out of like different spots and stuff. And he puts them all like in a bag. It's pretty funny. I enjoy that part. Um, so that's when we find out that like uh, not only is Immortan Joe after him, but that's when we find out that the Gastown boys and the Bullet Farm have kind of joined the chase as well. Yeah, they sent up flare. Um, Immortan Joe sent up flares to alert Gastown and the Bullet Bullet Farmers to uh, join the join the chase. So um, he, she she basically has what is supposed to be a deal where these the bikers kind of control this pass. It's like a canyon pass with like one kind of way through. And she has, makes a deal with them, allegedly, that's going to get them through this canyon. Right. But they, uh, the bikers kind of double-cross her, if you will, and basically try and kill her. Well, they were under the impression that Furiosa was going to be chased. So they knew that she was going to have some kind of heat after her, um, but they didn't realize it was going to be all three factions chasing her, and it was just too much for them. And they said, this isn't, this isn't what we signed on for. Okay. So that's when they reneged the deal. Gotcha. So, like, a kind of a fight breaks out where they're trying to kill uh, Furiosa. They make it through, and they end up blowing part of the canyon, right, and crashing it down. Yeah, they end up blowing. Yeah, they end up uh, blowing up part of the canyon, and the rocks fall, uh, and and it kind of temporarily 
blocks Joe. Yeah, it blocks most of the the war party, except for then they show up with what I'm sure Devin Love is like a basically a, a monster truck, like uh, like Bigfoot, and it's able to like climb over the rocks. Did it make you miss your truck? <laughs> oh, it absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> it absolutely did. Yeah, I think it was called. I, I have some notes on that. Oh, thing. yeah. Because I think I talked about the cars last time from from Commando, so <laughs> I think they call it the the Giga Horse. They said it was fully functional. Yeah. Um, I saw something about it being like a stacked Coupe de Ville. It's uh, two Coupe de Ville chassis yeah. welded together on top of this monster truck frame. So they said it was dual supercharged with a, a Chevy <laughs> 502 V8. It's got 1,200 <laughs> horsepower and it did like 75 miles an hour. Yeah, it's it's two Chevy engines, Chevy V8 engines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, held together with a custom gearbox, so it could it could use both engines at the same time to yes. power the vehicle, which so, is awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that thing actually worked. Like it, it yeah. actually yeah, drive. No, it was legit. They actually drive over those rocks then. Yeah, yeah, I think no, so. No, it was legit. So you know when it jumps and you see it jump. Yeah. It's the truck jumping. That's amazing. It's yeah. not a. It's the thing they actually built it to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, they said it was like one of the favorite cars on set, and <laughs> and you could hear the thing for miles when they were running it. Uh huh. David, if you showed up to work one day driving that thing, it would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah. I would. I would quit my job and work with you. Yeah, like, I would. It would take up like four spots. <laughs> I was just gonna say four like, spots. Like, more than that. They'd be like, they'd be like, David, we have to talk to you. No other cars can park in the parking lot. <laughs> the the neighborhoods can. Complaining when you show up at yeah. seven in the morning. You started your car and it blew out all of the windows <laughs> of the building. Um, so he, he, Morton Joe is able to get over the uh, kind of the rock barricade using this vehicle. Uh, catches up to Furiosa. Basically, the wives kind of like put themselves out of its shields to stop uh, Morton Joe from shooting or killing Furiosa because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to harm them. That's the big thing. Is he? Well, wants, it wasn't he, just the why. It was um, specifically Splendid who's pregnant at the right. Time. Okay. But then she ends up, and I don't remember the circumstance that happened, but she ends up, like, falling off the war rig, right? Uh, they... She, she like, slips or yeah, something, and then she's Yeah, she slips, and she's hanging. trying to get back in, yeah. and the door's open, and I guess one of the other trucks had pushed the war rig over, and she was and she hit the side of the canyon, okay. or hit, like, a rock and was knocked backward. Okay, and she gets run over by Joe's car. Yeah. Right, and then they kind of leave, because, like, all the other wives want them to stop and go back and max is like no she went under the wheels like, yeah. she went under the wheels and yeah. she did she's dead so they they kind of that kind of gives them a chance to get breathing room and get away from morton joe there's a really badass scene where uh furiosa needs to do repairs and she's kind of just hanging under the war rig while it's moving just like doing repairs to it which i thought was pretty sweet yeah um they get to a point where they're kind of going through more of like a muddy kind of like wasteland area yeah, like a bog like yeah a- it's like a bog there's this weird like um Stilt walkers. Yeah, they're almost yeah, they're like people, and they're like walking on stilts, and it's a really cool visual because by this point it's kind of like dusk, you know, so it's yep. dark out. Um, but the war rig's having trouble; it's getting uh, stuck in the mud, and they're being chased by the uh, I think it's a bullet farm at this the point because they because yeah. they, they kind of have like a tank, like a yeah, they have, they have a car where it has tank treads, and it's the only thing they can get over this bog quickly. Well, I think there's some other cars chasing them, but Max has right. like he puts these there's mines. motorcycles. Well, Max puts some mines in the grounds behind him, mm-hmm. and like these the some. Some cars end up hitting the mines and blowing up, and then right. it's just this like all-terrain like tank thing that the bullet farm that's chasing mm-hmm. them. Um, so that's when um, Nux ends up kind of helping them out to get the war rig uh, out of the um, out of the bog. Out of the bog, yeah, because there's like a tree, so they take like they use the winch off the front of the rig and pull themselves up. Yeah, 
Right, and there's that cool scene where the uh, the the bullet farm dudes they have a big like spotlight on their vehicle, and they have like um, one of Furious's gun is kind of like a sniper rifle. Yeah, it's a sniper rifle. And so um, like Max is trying to shoot shoot them, and he's like missing, and so Furiosa grabs a gun and like takes one shot and like blasts the light on it, and it shatters in the bullet farmer's eyes, and he's all like blinded, like he can't see. It's really yeah. cool. They're like holding that flare right in front of his face, and he can't see it. Yeah, he's like, I can't see. It's really cool. Um, so I and I really like the next scene where Max kind of goes off to take care of the the bullet farmers, and he <laughs> you don't see what happens, which is the best part. You kind of hear some screaming and some shots, and you don't see anything. And then Max shows back up, and he's got a steering wheel, which it, which the uh, Warrigger's missing, guns, a tons of bullets, and a boot for uh, Nux. And he's covered boot. in blood. Yeah, and they they're like, "Oh, are you hurt?" And Furious is like, "It's not his blood. It's not his blood." <laughs> So what we didn't get to see is he went out there and slaughtered all the people in the bullet farm vehicle. Yeah. Which is amazing. I love the fact that they don't show it to you, but it's just like... It's just kind of implied, yeah. Yeah. It's really great. So, and like this whole journey, they keep saying that the Furiosa is going to take him to the green place, which is like where Furiosa grew up, like where she's from. Yeah, when she was a child. That's where she, that's where she grew up when she was a child. This idyllic kind of land that's green and lush and there's food everywhere and... It's like the one safe place she knows of. Right. So that's like where they're headed to this whole movie. Like that's their plan is they're going to go to the green place and escape. So they get to a certain point and they run into, um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. They, they're the, the, Volva, the Volvani. Yes. Which is, means uh, of many mothers. And they're kind of like the, the tribe or whatever that Furiosa grew up with. Yeah. That's where she's from. Her mother was, was Volvani. And, uh, and they come across this giant abandoned... Or it's like the remnants of a of a um, like an uh, oil ele- rig? no electric oh, okay yeah, I- yeah an electric uh, pole yeah uh, and and there's a woman up there a naked woman up there kind of screaming saying help me help me and and Max instantly knows that no it's that she's bait <laughs> yeah like it's, it's a, a trap it's a trap right. and that's when Furiosa comes out and says who she is of the Volvani and obviously it is a she, that woman was bait right and you see the motorcycles pull up. Uh, with all of these, it's like five or six women, yeah, uh, on motorcycles, and, and they're the Volvani. They're the they're the people that Furiosa was trying to find, right? Uh, and the twist is that bog that they drove through was the green place, yeah. Because she because uh, she's like, oh, we're going to the green place, and they're like, well, you came from the west, you you've been through it, yeah. You drove through it, yeah. You drove right by it, and uh, and, and it turns out that. The green, fla- the green place had become infected, uh, the, like rancid water had come in and ruined everything. So they were kind of just living in desert, basically. Living in the yeah. desert, kind of scrounging and foraging and stealing from whoever they could steal from over the past 20 years that, uh, that, that Furiosa's been gone. Right. And they do have what, uh, one of them has what is like a kind of like a giant, they make a point of like, you know, it's like a giant bag full of like different seeds and plants and stuff like that. Right. So it's like, oh, if we ever get to like fertile land, we're going to plant these. Yeah, they, they she was able to save all these seeds. Yes. Um, so at that point, uh, they're kind of like, their plan is, is that they're going to take a journey across, what do they call it? The salt flats. The, the salt flats. And they're just going to drive and they're going to hope that there's something out there. They kind of give Max one of the bikes. And they say, thanks for your help. You know, you can do, you can come with us if you want, or you can go on your own way. Yep. Either way, the bike's yours. Right. So, but he, and he initially, that's what he's going to do. He's like, I'm not going to go with you guys. I'm going to stay and kind of. He's going to leave. He's he's going to go the opposite direction and and make his own way. Do his own thing. But that's kind of when he has another one of his like visions, if you will. Yeah. He he sees the girl and um, 
Um, is it, it is it images of his wife and child at that part though? I, no, I wasn't sure if that one was different. Uh, no, or it if was it's still that same girl. It's, from it's the still beginning. that same. Okay. No, it's not the, still that same girl, but it's part of that whole same thing. Okay. It's not his wife. His wife and child died. They were run over um, by a truck. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it's something different, but it's it's like urging him to kind of go and help them. Right. Okay. So he kind of changes his mind at that point. He decides that he's going to help them. Uh, he catches up to him and is basically like, your plan's not going to work. Yeah, there's nothing out that way. So his plan that he proposes to them is that they go back to where they came from because the Citadel is unguarded. Like basically all the important war boys and everything, they're out in this war party. So if they can go through, use the tanker to blow up that canyon, trap them behind that, then go and take over the Citadel. Yep. They can take over the Citadel and and basically have it at that point um, because they won't be able to get through that pass. There's no way they're going to be able... They blow up the pass, no one's going to be able to get through ever. Right, and because there's no one at the Citadel, they can easily just take it over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so they kind of all agree to this plan, and that's that's basically when they, they turn around and they head back in the direction that they came. Yeah, and essentially at that point, it's another chase. <laughs> uh, they keep driving, and um, essentially... They do, yeah, they do blow up the they do blow up the pass. Right. Well, okay. There's there's one part that I really like when the war party starts chasing him again because that's when Max sees his car and he's like, "That's mine." He's yeah. like so mad because his car shows back. But I think his car ends up getting trashed in that chase too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it he gets does. Blown up. But it's like uh, that's kind of the part where they have like all those guys on the um, on the uh, poles and they're throwing the harpoons at the tankers mm-hmm. and there's all kinds of sweet stuff going on during the final chase. Uh, at one point, Furiosa gets stabbed in the side. Yeah. So she's like kind of really uh, like wounded pretty badly. Uh, Max takes over another one of the war rigs. He gets in a big fight with Rictus. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, so Furiosa goes and, and basically, how would you describe how she takes out Immortan Joe? Well, basically, um, doesn't his mask like get she she ri- it gets ripped off? Yeah, it gets like hooked into something and rips that that mask that he's that he's had on his face the entire yeah, movie. It off. gets like caught in the wheels of yeah. that truck and it like rips the whole. It thing It rips off. the top of the truck off, and when the top of the truck rips off, it rips his mask off too. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty badass when she kills. Yeah, him. And his, his face yeah, is all great. fucked. His up. face is yeah. all messed up. So basically, what ends up happening is that Nux ends up sacrificing himself to kind of take out the war rig and blow it up and take out that pass. Yeah, because at that point, he's kind of changed his tune. He's fallen in love with one of the wives. Yeah. And um, Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Elvis Presley's granddaughter. And uh, and kind of decided that Morton Joe was not the way, What was not who he should be following, and he was going to help the wives out in, in Furiosa mm-hmm. and sacrifices himself to to let them go through. Right, so it, the, the war rig explodes, blocks the pass. Uh, Furiosa's in pretty bad shape, so Max ends up giving her the blood that she needs to survive. Well, right. yeah, before before that, I think her lungs, like, oh, yeah. her lung- start to collapse, and he punctures a hole in her side or something. Yeah, that's yeah, right. She's, uh, she has a punctured lung, and so when you have a punctured lung, when you breathe, the air is going into your body cavity, Yeah, and it creates pressure, which essentially collapses your lung. So you have to have an exit point for the air, so he stabs a hole in her so that the air can escape so her lungs can reinflate because there's less pressure inside of her. Okay, and then then he gets... Because what, what they... I don't know if he mentioned it at the beginning, but he's a universal donor is what they say. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's typo. typo. So right. so basically they he does the transfusion or whatever, gives her blood so she can survive. Correct. Um, they arrive back at the Citadel. 
they show everyone that a Morton Joe's dead, and everyone seems pretty psyched about it. Yeah, that he's dead. Um, and there's a big thing where the whole crowd is like they, because they they basically lower all their vehicles down from the top of the citadel, like the top part of it, and these big like a. Uh, they have gears that turn, and they're big, almost like a manual elevator. Yeah. So it's like a big point where everyone's chanting, like, let them up, let them up, like, let the war rig up. So, like, uh, they eventually do. And, like, there's a scene at the beginning where it kind of echoes this, where at the beginning where people are trying to get on the elevators going off, and they're, like, being they're knocked off side, and right? kicking them off. And then this scene where they're grabbing people, pulling them up, like, taking them on the elevator, like, going up. They get to the top. They turn on the water, like, full blast and just leave it on. But, like... Furiosa thinks that Max is maybe coming with him, but she looks down and Max is in the crowd and kind of just walking, like looks up, they make eye contact, and then he turns and just blends into the crowd and leaves. Yep, and disappears. Yep. And, and that's, that's the end. That's the end, yeah. He leaves and it's the end. And like the Citadel yep. seems like maybe it's going to be okay, but we don't know. But nope. Max leaves. He just walks off and then disappears in the crowd and that's the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, in the, the movie, there's no slow points in the movie. I mean, except maybe when they get off the rig and they're talking... Like right before they turn around, that might be a slow point you would consider, but that's just because there's a little bit of dialogue there. It, yeah, I would say. I yeah, would I say mean, it, it was all building to that though. I would yeah, say you're I right. Would, I would say it's more a breather than a slow point. It's kind of yeah. like yeah. catch. Your, it's like catch your breath. We're back in full force, and I think the thing that's hard for us to do just sit here talking about it is kind of describe how great these action sequences are with the cars. I mean, there's no way for us. It's to impossible. Sit here. There's yeah. no way for us to sit here and tell you all about it, but just like. To watch it, it's just so like the stuff that they do, and to know that it was all practical stuff is like so amazing. Well, yeah. even when they were filming it, I was reading stories in here about how frustrated um, uh, Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron were getting because they literally had no idea what was going on in these scenes. Like they were saying their lines and kind of doing what they were told, but they had no concept of what the movie was until they actually saw it and then it all made perfect sense to them yeah like, even I, when they were filming they couldn't describe it yeah there was I, I read a lot where they were they were getting frustrated with george miller and basically saying what are you doing they didn't understand it <laughs> and then as soon as they started to see it they were like wow this is incredible yeah because what he was doing was going against kind of all conventional ways of shooting the film like they were shooting nighttime scenes in in the day and shooting daytime scenes at night and not um and and shooting people straight on in the middle of the shot versus what they would normally do is follow the rule of thirds and have them in either the left side or the right side of the film like doing everything you wouldn't normally do in a film like this yeah speaking and, of all the footage i i do have <laughs> one final pop quiz for you pop quiz hot shot was that the one you were going to do no i just think i know the answer know oh you guys know it <laughs> So, so the question is, how many hours of footage had to be edited? I do. Do you know this, LBJ? Yeah, I think it's like it was something like two hundred eighty hours. No, it's way more than that. Four hundred and seventy. It's four seventy. Four hundred seventy yeah. hours. They, they said it, they had to watch it. It took three months to get through. And it's funny because the editor of this was George Miller's his wife. His, his wife. wife. Yeah. So they're like, here you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's four hundred and seventy hours. That's crazy. Pop quiz, hot shot. I don't know. If this is a specific pop quiz, but. When George Miller was writing this film, how many, how much material did he have? What do you mean in terms of? In terms of, so it's a very specific answer. So <laughs> it, it, I, I think I know. Are you talking about like when he was um, like the visuals, the storyboard or? Not the storyboard. Like when he, by the time he finished writing the script, he had enough material for two additional movies. He, that's why Wasteland is already written and why Furiosa is already written. Okay. So initially, he was writing 
Fury Road and ended up with so much stuff that he just <laughs> split it off into two more scripts and had two more scripts finished. And then at the same time, shot 470 hours for just this. <laughs> Another thing I think is interesting and kind of unconventional in the shooting of this is to say that they shot it in sequence. So they basically yeah. shot it in the order, which like if you know anything about movies, it's like they kind of shoot completely out of order and just stitch it back together. But the fact that they shot this from in sequence is crazy to me. Yeah, although it makes sense because you're not really... There's really no, you don't really necessarily need to. There's no specific, like, the reason why they shoot things out of order is because they have certain locations they have to use at certain times. So if they go back to a, a, the same location a couple times in a movie, they'll shoot all of the scenes at that location at that time, move on to the next location, shoot all of those, and then stitch them together in the order they need them to. But in a situation like this where they're just, it's basically one big long car chase, it doesn't really matter you know, if they film them out of order or in sequence. Right. Um, because the whole movie is just yeah. kind of moving from place to place. No, I yeah. guess it makes sense. Um, I think the one other thing I really wanted to know is that they said that during the filming that uh, Tom Hardy suffered a broken nose in that scene that they were filming, the, the fight scene with him and Furiosa, because she basically had like... Um, I think for the effects, I think for her arm, they said what it was kind of like a big like cast almost that she had on. Yeah, big green. Yeah, she like, elbowed cast. him or something. Yeah, she elbowed him during and broke his nose. So that that was kind of funny to me. Maybe not funny to Tom Hardy, but I thought no. it was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, also, and just I kind of to wrap up on this, but it was not. It was nominated for ten Academy Awards and won six of them, which I totally forgot that this was nominated for Best Picture. I I remember that it was yeah. It was it was it won costume design, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, production design, sound editing, sound mixing, and it lost best director, best picture, best cinematography, and best visual effects. Which crazy to me that it was nominated for best visual effects, knowing how little they used it. Yeah. So I, I, I saw something that said this is the second sequel to receive an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture without any of its predecessors being nominated. Do you know what the other one was? Uh Toy Story Three. Toy Story three, <laughs> you got it. See, I was gonna guess. I, I always, I always forget that uh, the Dark Knight was not nominated for Best Picture. It, uh, Heath Ledger won that, but it didn't get nominated. Correct. So I always forget that. I would have guessed wrong. So, well, speaking of Heath Ledger, I would like to move into role reversal. Oh, uh-oh. so we have the only role reversals I could find were for Max. Okay. First one being Heath Ledger, <laughs> who was cast in the role until he died. Oh shoot, I don't know about that. I don't. I mean, like Heath Ledger was a great actor, but it's hard to say because I just I don't picture his energy in this movie, right? Because he like I feel like he's a he's dialogue like he I don't know. It's hard to picture him, but again, he's such a chameleon. Who knows what he would have done? Yeah, he might have been great. Yeah, I think he could have done well. I mean, I remember when I first heard that he was going to be playing the Joker in the Dark Knight, speaking of that movie, and I think everybody was like, huh? I, yeah. I don't know about that. And he did an amazing job. So I I don't know. I yeah. think it I think it could still work. Jeremy Renner. Ooh, I think Renner would have been good. <laughs> he would have been bad. Yeah, I think he would have done all right with it. I could see it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always so hard in these role reversals, especially for a movie that I like like this, because it's like all I because that's all you can think is of Tom is that Hardy. Person. Yeah, but yeah. it's like I don't know. I guess maybe I could see it. I think Jimmy Renner does good work, so I could I could see that. I mean, and that's the thing we we talked about how he only has like fifty two lines. There's yeah. like grunts and moans. I yeah. mean, it's it's more of just like his expressions and right. just his presence overall. So I, I guess it could work. Yeah, now here's a couple two outliers. I, I don't know if this was. For this version of the film or the two thousand, the two thousand version of the film they were starting to film, Michael Bean, oh. from Aliens. I was gonna say I don't even know who that is. <laughs> he's uh, he's um, um, what's his name in Aliens? Um, 
Hicks. He's Hicks. Hicks and Aliens. Was he the guy that was in Terminator then? Is that that guy? Yeah, he was. He was John. Uh, no, no he, uh, Kyle, Kyle Reese. Reese. Okay, in the original okay. Terminator. Yeah. All right. So that's. Uh, I mean, maybe, but again, that's hard to say back then. And now we're yeah. dealing with the time. I, I don't know. I guess I don't. Mm, I don't see that one. And the last one, Channing Tatum. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> no pass. He's no. too dopey. Yeah. yeah, really. Pass. He's like too. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, he's too like I feel like pretty boy for that role. Like, yeah, no, Tom, Tom Hardy's kind of like you picture him. You could he fits that really well. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he's a tough guy. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think you could have cast this any better than putting Tom Hardy in this. No, he's really the he's absolutely the right person for this for sure. Uh, so yeah, this movie was pretty much critically acclaimed and everybody loved it. Yeah, um, I couldn't really find any bad things about it. <laughs> um. Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, and like we had mentioned before, there's a couple sequels that are in the works yeah. that I don't know when they're going to get off the ground, but they're ready to go as soon as they decide that they are ready to go with them. Um, so it looks like uh, the thing that's holding up the Wasteland is a $7 million bonus that uh, George Miller was supposed to receive from Warner Brothers that he never did. <laughs> that's which, literally okay. what's holding up this movie at which this point. Which is like crazy. If you're Warner Brothers and you, you know you have a movie sitting there that banked you like, I mean... You were in plus like two hundred million dollars, like from what it cost to make to how much you made. Like, pay him the money and get this other movie out there. You'd think, yeah, that seems crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's, I mean, it's not chump change to us, but like to a movie studio, give them the money and get your sequel. Not only a movie that's uh, that does financially well, but also is a crit- critical success, get you an Oscar nominations. That's yeah, crazy. Ten nominations and six wins. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. crazy that you wouldn't be like, here you go, make us another one. <laughs> yeah. So do you think this is yeah, hmm. Do you think this is probably the most critically acclaimed action movie of at least the last 15 years? Oh, I think that's probably easy to yeah. say. Yeah. But I mean, I'm trying to think what other action movies have we done or are potentially doing that are even have even been nominated for Oscars? Well, we've done some I think that have been nominated for more of kind of like the technical category, yeah, technical but, visual. Yeah, but, but I, I mean story-wise I don't, I don't know if that. we've done any that have been nominated for like best director, or best picture, like that sort of thing. Like I mean, best picture. Rambo was um The Fugitive was. Yeah. But again, that's not the same type of action movie as what this no. is. This is this is straight up action. Right. Like those are more drama, right? Well, I think it's like we said, this is a movie was well respected not only for the action but also for the the craftsmanship, craftsmanship yeah. that went into making it. Absolutely. So I don't know, but yeah, it's it's kind of crazy that they haven't made a sequel yet, given yeah. all the accolades that this movie has. Yeah, I agree. All right, we uh, ready to rate this? I think so. Yep. All right, there, Devon. You want to go first, second, or third? I'll go first. Um, As we talked about, I mean, this was the first Mad Max movie that I had seen. I had a general idea of of what it was about. But, I mean, as we talked about it, I mean, there's not a lot of, you know, plot buildup in this movie. You kind of just dive right into it. And I think it's action-packed from the beginning. Um, I love everything. I think it all works. You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, how it's just, it is a little weird. You know, this, you know, post-apocalyptic, I guess, landscape and these just these guys these war boys that you just don't know much about but i think everything fit i loved the music i loved all the crazy cars all the crazy stunts i mean i thought everything just fit i easily give this four and a half machine guns 
All right. Uh, and, and for me, I mean, I echo a lot of the things that you said. I, I love this movie. Uh, I think it's great. It's it's action packed. It's it's like one that I can watch again again. I hadn't watched the whole thing in a while until I watched it for this, and I kind of just forgot how much I loved it. Uh, you don't you can go into it without seeing any of the, the Mad Max movies. You don't need that to enjoy this movie. Um, this movie, I mean, not only is it probably one of my favorite action movies, I would say it's just one of my favorite movies in general. This one honestly is a no brainer for me. Uh, five machine guns. I am going to echo your your sentiments exactly. I mean, the fact that it's super action-packed. There is, I don't know that I've ever seen a movie with more action than I have in this movie. Um, it has very little dialogue, but yet the plot is still compelling. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly well-made and well-shot. I enjoy practical effects to no end. I love practical effects. Uh, there's really no slow points in the movie. You... I love the fact that you can pick this up and watch it without having any knowledge of the previous films. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is one of the greatest action films of all time and one of the best movies I may, I've ever seen. Uh, this is absolutely Five Machine Guns. Five Machine Guns. Almost across the board. Yeah. I really <laughs> screwed that up. Huh? Yeah, you can revise. I'll give you the opportunity. <laughs> I'm going to still stick with my four and a half. I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. But I, I can't complain about fives. No, I mean overall, I mean this this movie is like there's there's hard it's hard to find fault with this movie. Yeah, I I don't know that I can find any. Right. And if you're hesitant because you're like, oh I don't I haven't seen any of the other ones, don't worry about it. You don't need to You're see not any. gonna it's not gonna matter. <laughs> like we said, Max is kind of the secondary character in this anyway. He really is, yeah. It probably <laughs> should just be called Furiosa Furio. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. Yes, is there anything else we need to cover on this? Uh I think I hit everything that I yeah. had in mind. I don't my, know. My 12 pages yeah, of notes, we got through every piece. <laughs> Did we really? That's pretty <laughs> maybe, great. Maybe not. Oh, really? We hit the main stuff. Wow. Stay tuned for after Last Action Podcast, where Devin just reads through his notes. <laughs> yeah, word for word. These are all of his notes. Oh, that sounds like a terrible. <laughs> that'll terrible that'll be a, a Patreon episode one month. It's just Devin reading his entire thing of notes. <laughs> it's going to be like three hours. <laughs> There's more. Devin's got as many notes to sort through as George Miller had footage. <laughs> He gave it. Did he give it to his wife to edit? Hey, edit this down. Edit my notes down. Jen's like, okay, Devin. <laughs> oh, this is your impression. You're bringing it out. I like it. <laughs> no, I'm not doing it. I can't. I'm going to get yelled at. I better not. Um, do you, Devin, do you have anything you want to plug? No. No, I don't. Nothing? Again, just really appreciate being uh, being back on the show. Do you, right. do you want to plug your previous appearance on the Last Session Podcast in the Great Commando episode? I mean, Available it was. Now? I mean, it, yeah. It's It's been out there for a little while. I, I hope yeah. it's one of the, the more... You know, popular. It was it was one of the more fun ones, I think. Yeah. I, think so. I, I think the issue you're going to have is you've done Commando and Mad Max Fury Road. Where do you go from there? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, Devin's going to bring us a real clunker next time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to get stuck with like Back to the Future Three. <laughs> it's like oh, fuck. everybody's favorite. <laughs> uh, all right, you want to do the uh, the business selfie? Yeah, we'll keep it simple. Uh, we're on GameZillaMedia.com. Check us out there. You can check out all the podcasts there. There's a new one every day. Yeah, pretty much. Check us out on uh, Patreon. Even a dollar will get you a chance to get some extra stuff. Like Devin from us. reading his notes. <laughs> like Devin reading his notes. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, so we appreciate everything you guys do. Check us out on Instagram. We're on there. Well, I, we post on Instagram pretty regularly. Uh, and we're on Twitter and Facebook. And Sphinx does blogs sometimes. And he'll be back at some point. You can you can <laughs> yell at him. Uh yeah, that's it. That's pretty much all I want to plug. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Devin, for being here. It was great. Absolutely. It's always fun when you're in the studio. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he's he's starting off with the weird energy that this began uh-huh. with. I wanted a bookend. Maybe that's this. what he's going for. Yeah, <laughs> a nice bookend to this episode. How am I doing? Oh, if, if only everybody could see the look he's got on his face. <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. It's real weird. <laughs> Just bring it home now. Okay, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated, but we'll be back. <laughs>